How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. I'm so hyped right now. Anything's possible. Oh my mama. Oh my mama made it, man. Anything's possible. Rainy days. Jump shot fade away. This the best Celtics podcast day to day. Especially when the season get hectic. I stay waiting on it like receiving a Nets pick. Nothing like the terrible analysts on the TV. So in depth you might even hear a story on Gigi. So in depth they might do an hour about the D-League. So in depth you probably should pay him but it's a freebie. Yeah, John Corrales and J. King. Locked on trying to get the 18th ring. So you can miss me with the blah blah. No more Geno time. We watching Jay do the Zaza. Melis. Hey there, welcome back to the Locked On Celtics Podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. We are going to the Eastern Conference Finals, baby. The Rain Jays here, John Corrales, Sam, Jam, Packard, recent graduate, Sam Packard. Congratulations. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we are graduating to the conference finals, folks, after a 115-105 win over the Washington Wizards. Hmm. Double digits. You a called it, John Corrales. Double-digit double win. win. It's funny. I think I've heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Celtics, 115-105 winners. Crazy, crazy game. Hell of a second half out of your Boston Celtics, outscoring the Wizards 62 62- to 50 in the second half. Uh, just a great, great uh, comeback after taking a big, big, I don't know, beating in that, that second quarter was just not great. So we had uh, Kelly Olynyk podium game. We had Marcus Smart doing smart, affecting winning plays things. We had Isaiah Thomas coming up big, king in the fourth things. Uh, and Al Horford is Al Horford. And really, my favorite thing in all of this is there are a whole lot of people that ran their mouth all season long, and now they get to STFU because there's just no criticism of this team now. So we're, we're just talking before the show, and Sam, you're you talking about being an emotional wreck during this game. Give me the roller coaster. Take me through the ride. It was wild because I really felt like the after the first half, the Celtics were playing like pretty good basketball. They just to have them be down by two, I was ready to blame I like I hate blaming the refs, but I was ready to throw the refs under the bus after the first half. I don't know. I like this was a, a wild game. The third quarter was the probably the most tense basketball I've witnessed all year. And for them to make the run at the end of the third quarter and just kind of take, to take the lead and then not surrender it for the entire fourth quarter. And for Kelly Olynyk, Kelly Olynyk, the pariah, the best positional defensive player on the Celtics. <laughs> My God, for him to come up huge in that fourth quarter was just, it was a beautiful moment to witness. But it was, it was tense for that, for basically the entire game, but for that huge comeback to start at the end of the third quarter, then there's to play consistently good basketball on both ends of the court for the entire fourth. It was amazing. It was, I, I try not to, I try to be very level headed. Like it's one of my goals as someone who does Celtics podcasts is to be as level headed as possible. But I was up and down for that entire game and for them to kind of come through in that fourth quarter. My God, fantastic stuff. I was <laughs> happier than I've been in a long time. Yeah, man, it it was fun. Like I wasn't, I, I felt good about this whole thing. Um, it didn't go exactly like I thought it would. I mean, I know I get to sit here and kind of puff my chest out and say I called a ten point, uh, you know, win, uh, but it didn't go exactly like I thought it would. And there was a point there in the third quarter, early in the third, where I was like, oh shit, 
Um, they are playing all of a sudden like they were playing in games one through four. They were Isaiah was making bad turnovers. It really just didn't seem to be going well. Bradley Beal was a monster. And then everything kind of changed. And Brad Stevens called a timeout. He diagrammed a play that ended up getting a layup. It changed the entire energy of the game. And the Celtics started going off at the end of that third quarter. Isaiah Thomas turned on the fourth quarter charm a little bit early. And then it just became Kelly Olynyk time. And there's just no surviving Kelly Olynyk time. There's no way you can survive that. How do you – how do you really – when you I, <laughs> Kelly Olynyk, 26 points on 10 of 14 shooting. How – how do you let that happen? He outscored John Wall – John Wall had 18 points on 8 of 23 shooting. He was outplayed tonight by Kelly Olynyk. Just let that wash over you for a second. Kelly Olynyk drives to the basket. Awareness of where he was on the floor. Uh, taking advantage of flops and, and finishing. He just hitting, taking shots aggressively, not up faking, and hitting threes. Just, wow. Wow. I'm... In all of my, I pride myself on some level of level-headedness and awareness of what's going on in a basketball game. I have no idea what happened with Kelly Olynyk tonight. I can't tell you. I can't sit here and analyze that at all. He just went supernova, and it's one of the weirdest, crazy things that, frankly, you need. You need something crazy like that to happen to win a Game 7 because it's not always just relying on your stars. The Stars, the Celtic Stars, played extremely well tonight, but you needed that one other guy, and it, it was Kelly Olynyk. Well, we talked about it the entire series, just about how the bench is going to be played better at home, and Kelly Olynyk was amazing tonight, but the rest of the bench was pretty good as well, including Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart, and they outscored the Wizards 48-5, to I believe, on, ven- on bench points, if I have my statistics correct, and this is after getting only five points in Game 6 from the bench, so the bet, like, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, but especially Kelly Olenek tonight played amazingly, and it was, Kelly, he he knocked down the open threes that we kind of expected him to, to knock down, but he was also there making mid-range jump shots, which... Normally, if Kelly is taking a long two, that is not a good thing, but he knocked those down, and then he just had a very good performance um, at the rim tonight. He made his – there was a number of plays where he was just wide open at the rim, and he made his kind of awkward Kelly Olenek behind weird angle shots, but he did – he took Jan Mahimi one-on-one. Jan Mahimi has no business playing against the sweet feet of Kelly Olenek. And then later, like in the final game, when Mahim is out the floor, he did a good job against Otto Porter just to, uh, at the rim, and he he was fantastic. It's It just felt so good for someone who's kind of generally believed in the idea of Kelly Olenek for, for the majority of the season, and to watch him kind of get shat on. He's the first person that people blame uh, on Celtics Twitter, so to see him step up tonight was just a thing of beauty, and his you're right, the rest of the team played quite well, but he really set them over the edge. So, I mean, shouts to Kelly Olenek. I can't give him more credit for kind of the performance he turned in tonight. Yeah, it's just amazing. Uh, and I'm I'm still, like, caught up in all of this Twitter excitement. Uh, SB Nation gave me, like, the perfect tweet where they took uh, John Wall's face and put it they, – they took the the sheep scene from The Simpsons – where uh, you just just go to my Twitter, just go to go to Red's Army underscore John. If you don't <laughs> I'm follow watching me. it right now, and it's it's, it's just one of it's, the great Simpsons moments. Yeah, it's just fantastic. It's perfect. It's Isaiah Thomas's face on a sheep, and John. It's just go on lamb. Go go just go do it. Just go see it. It's freaking great. Um, yeah, this is. I think tonight is a night for celebration. This is. We don't really need to get into a ton of the things that the Celtics did right. Or, or wrong or whatever, and we still will, obviously. But I just want to kind of take this. This is a night for celebration. That's what this is. 
they're they're going on to play the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the things that worked in this series aren't necessarily going to work against the Cavaliers. They're a much different team. They where we are now as the Celtics, as the team, as a, as fans of the team, we're at a point where everything that people said all year long, all of the critics, all of the crazy, stupid things that was said on local sports talk radio, all of those things, they're all wrong. They were all wrong. And those of us who beat the drum and said, you know what? You're not seeing it. You're not seeing exactly what's important. You're not seeing what we're seeing. It's a bit of vindication. And this, yeah, I'm going to take this moment to kind of beat my chest a little bit because Isaiah Thomas can lead this team. Al Horford, yeah, he's he's getting paid exactly what he deserves. Al Horford has been amazing in the playoffs. So all the people who are criticizing Al Horford, sorry, you you were wrong, and here's the proof. People who criticize Isaiah Thomas, you were wrong, and here's the proof. Everybody, you had you had words for Brad Stevens? Nope. Not only did he win, get out of the first round, now he won two rounds, got out of a game seven. Oh, Danny Ainge should have made a move at the deadline? Nope. Nope. He didn't have to spend a single damn asset the Celtics are still in the conference finals. Still in the conference finals. So, and all the people that the the Celt they said the Celtics should have gone for, Ibaka, Tucker, Bogdanovich, out. All of them gone fishing. Every single one. So, this is just an opportunity for those of us who understood what this season was about, who understood that right now we're completely playing with house money, and I don't care what happens moving forward, that... Tomorrow night, the draft lottery will give the Celtics a top four pick, potentially the number one pick, and they've got cap space. All of these things, this is absolutely the most perfect moment for this team at this time, and it's worth just celebrating. I I, I absolutely agree. It's just the at the beginning of the season, I kind of – were. There was definitely like the ESPN. Chris Forsberg sent out the blogs and his. What was the ex- expectations of this team? And at the time, I said Eastern Conference Finals are bust. But that was kind of a an uh, kind of an audacious goal at the time. And the idea of this team, given their current kind of where we see them in the Eastern Conference, for them to make an Eastern Conference Finals, and then tomorrow night we haven't even talked about this. Like the for them to have a chance at the number one pick, it's. It's amazing to be a, a Celtics fans right now, and I don't, re- I didn't. Part of me expected them to reach the Eastern Conference Finals, but just to to reach that game and uh, after a Game Seven, incredibly hot, incredibly hard, hard fought series. Wow, stumbling over words there, but still incredibly <laughs> uh, difficult seven game series. And both of us predicted Celtics in seven at the end, but. You know that's why we kind of we watch playoff basketball and just for the the amazing game seven performance they turned in it was it was great and you're right it's it's at this point it's just gravy to be a Celtics fan because I expect them to be competitive against the Cavaliers but with no expectations of winning and going into the lottery where they could get a, the number one pick tomorrow night is it's golden it's fantastic stuff to be a Celtics fan right now and the the rebuild is is on its way and um there's no complaining right now yeah it's just. Huh, satisfying. It's just satisfying. Like this has been a rare season. And I don't want to go into a full postmortem because they've got another series left, but it just it honestly does give you a window. The you listeners, you get a window right now into how I feel it. Like I I I really I obviously I care and I'm rooting for things to happen in the next series, but this has been like I I really don't care. Like if they win, Awesome. Holy shit. Going to the NBA Finals, that would be a miracle. Uh, I, I don't expect them to win. Uh, and we'll preview the series, but off the top of my head, I, they, they might win. If they win a couple of games, I'll be happy, but it doesn't matter. Uh, I'm, I am just enjoying this rare opportunity to have a season where this, this success, it's all just pure joy. You don't have that like when the Celtics traded for Garnett and you have that, well, we're supposed to win. And every loss became the, 
kind of end of the world. Why aren't we winning? And so, and as opposed to also the the Raptors position or even the Wizards position, where you're trying so so hard to be that competitor to Cleveland that this was the year. Both teams gave up assets to improve their teams, and at the time, I agreed with those those moves. But the Wizards gave up a first round pick to get Bogdanovich. He scored well. I guess he was the leading scorer off the bench, but he scored five points. Their only five points it was a minus eighteen tonight. They gave up a first round pick for that. That's that's tough. That's tough to take from a Wizards perspective. And so there was no real worry with this season. All I ever wanted from this season was to get out of the first round. Like that was the next step. A first round win, a competitive second round series, and I felt like that's really good. I was happy. You know what's been an especially fun part about this uh <laughs> the Celtics win tonight is the there were like the the haters getting their final comeuppance. I mean I'm I I feel bad. Part of me feels bad singling out Dan Lifshatz, uh, board operator for the Sports Hub. Um, <laughs> but he has been a consistent hater of the Celtics for the entire year, and he deserves a thousand times credit because he said on Twitter at some point if the Celtics made the Eastern Conference Finals, he would delete his account, and he deleted his account. And like it's like respect to that guy for. Did he really? He did. He no longer has an account on Twitter. And like, oh my God, big shout out to that guy. Cause like, I probably, I would make a number of bets with that being the, like the, what was up for, up for the bet. And I would never like stay true to that, but he stayed true to that. But never have I been happier for that guy not to be on the internet anymore because he has been, and it's not just him. It's like a long line of just people in the Celtics um, kind of Twitter sphere, just doubting, just being hating, hating on the general idea of the Celtics. And I've never, I don't think any of like kind of the so-called green teamers have argued that this team is a championship team or this team was really going to contend for things. But we saw kind of the improvement of Al Horford, uh, kind of how much that kind of improved the team and improved the offense and allowed Isaiah Thomas to be that much more of a weapon offensively. And we saw the potential of this team and you can see from Sam Sheehan posted it, like from the ESPN forecast, a lot of us predicted the Eastern Conference Finals at the beginning of the year. We didn't have these huge expectations, but we generally believed in what the team was doing um, on the court right now and just as a long-term future with them getting the, the final pick. So to see all those people eat crow um, tonight and have Dan Lipschatz delete his account, oh my God, oh, just a beautiful, a beautiful moment to the end of the end of the night after a game seven win, nothing can be better than that. That I mean, yeah. So I, I, I am I am celebrating I'm celebrating. I am just enjoying the moment. Okay. Let let's get back to a little bit of what um what happened tonight. Before we move forward, uh Marcus Smart let's just talk about Marcus Smart because in pure Marcus Smart fashion, he had like a stupid foul that you know almost cost the Celtics down the stretch, but it was Marcus Smart's three point shooting <laughs> that woke the Celtics up in the third quarter. An above the break jab step in your face three, and I I'm not kidding when I say this. This is not a joke for the sake of joking or hyperbole, literally every time he makes an above-the-break three, I laugh out loud. I laugh. It's it, like legitimately. I, it's not a scoff. It's not a huh. It's I laugh when I see it happen because it's ridiculous when I see him hit, and especially in those situations, they dared him to take it, and he hit it. Uh, and that then first three. That yeah. first three, I was just going... No, 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 Marcus. That's the dumbest thing in the way. Thank you, Marcus. <laughs> and it was like the most classic Marcus possession of all time because that's what he does. He makes the dumb the dumb shot that you never want him to take, but it ends up going well. Yeah, and then he hit the, the three in the corner and just – but beyond the shooting, uh, Marcus Smart 
was a team high tied with uh, with Al Horford plus 14. Some of the rebounds that he grabbed at a time where really the rebounding threatened to decimate the Celtics. They were giving up all night long offensive rebounds, and it was keeping Washington in the game. And then all of a sudden, Smart comes in and flies in for rebounds and just changes the game. Marcus Smart, Olenek has the shine because he went crazy and he deserves a ton of credit for, for tonight's win. Marcus Smart did things in this game that allowed for other things to happen. So I just want to make sure that Marcus Smart, for all of his craziness, gets the proper uh, shout-out for the type of game he had. No, definitely. He he played in the classic Marcus Smart impacts winning. He did exactly what he... He came off the bench and played a lot of the kind of a backup point guard role. Terry Rozier, we only saw him for 40, uh, not 40, four minutes tonight. Um, Brad really stayed to a shorter rotation with eight players, and Marcus Smart did a lot of that um, backup point guard role and playmaking, allowing Isaiah to get off the ball. Uh, he deserves a lot of credit tonight. Six rebounds, like you mentioned, four assists. He just had, he did a great job, and then anything anytime you can get his three-point shooting um, is a bonus, but those... Those two threes at the end of the third quarter really changed the game for the Celtics because at that point, I personally was feeling very tense and it was like, how are the, uh, how are the Wizards still in this game? Um, and also, at the same time, how are the Celtics still in this game? And it felt like the, Celtics, uh, the Wizards were playing a, a very dominating, not dominating, but a, a, a good performance, but the Celtics were able to stay kind of close. First by Isaiah Thomas, then by Marcus Smart to play ahead at the third quarter. Uh, it was a huge kind of momentum swing, and I thought the Garden crowd. I am so jealous of any single person who was in in the arena tonight because it felt like the the perfect Celtics crowd environment, and they really that kind of those the the run at the end of the third quarter really kind of got them going and got them alive, and I thought carried them throughout the fourth quarter. But it was huge, and Marcus Smart deserves a lot of credit for making those those big threes, making the the plays he's used to. But those threes, especially that one at the end of the quarter, was huge for the Celtics. Yeah. So, uh, just a, a a big night for for him, and uh, I, I'm I'm just I'm just happy. <laughs> I'm just happy. Um, Hi, you've reached the high fashion hotline. Hi, my family's going to a tailgate, and I want our style to stand out from the crowd. Just go to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's got all the latest fall styles. Plus, during Old Navy's colossal sale, you'll save up to 50% off store-wide. Did you say up to 50% off? I did, so don't sit on the sidelines. Old Navy has the perfect pants from 19 bucks, stylish dresses from 15 bucks, and comfy tees for the family from just 6 bucks. right now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. We're cheering for Old Navy. High fashion, Old Navy. Valid 10 to 1010. Select styles only. What else? Uh, let, let's you know what? Let's just turn it to Twitter. Let's go to Twitter for the Rain and Jays and in some of the comments from the Rain and Jays folks. Uh, the hashtag hashtag Rain and Jays. Let me see. I lost it as I was saying it, but that's okay. I will get back to it because I was looking up Dan Liftshats and <laughs> delete his account you won't find him you won't find him <laughs> uh okay so uh, a bunch of people thanking me and sound you know reminding me i called the double digit lead thanks to all of you guys uh who oh it's funny mm, that that's the first comment you mentioned yeah it's right away it's the first one uh reds army john called double digit lead hey yes i did uh at and Ananya Dalal, are we getting two hours of the two, two hour long pod talking about this game in the lottery? No, we're gonna wrap it up in like soon. But uh, yeah, uh, does momentum from a big playoff win carry over to the draft lottery at Jason M one two four? Man, I hope so. That would be amazing. <laughs> it would be the ultimate Celtics Twitter moment where we're able to just be like, if we get the number one pick after this. Oh my God, that would feel really great just to wipe it in the face of. Oh my God, I just like I've I've been real pissed off at um, uh, Twitter personalities in the NBA uh, who are from Canada specifically. I'm gonna name names right now because um, I'm feeling a little uh, 
a little happy after the the Celtics win, but Josh Eberly and the the Cavs guy, Conrad Cavs, this Twitter personalities from Canada have really irked me in these playoffs. So it real it'd be real fun to kind of just say we're in the Eastern Conference Finals and we have the number one pick. So going into this twenty four hours of uh, fantastic Celtics basketball, man, it would be fantastic. Yeah, that would be amazing. Uh, let's see what else do we have here. From the Rain and Jays. Uh, making it to the Eastern Conference Finals helps big when you go after free agents. Looking at you, Gordon Hayward. That's from Joel Jobson. I-, I will disagree with that to a degree. Like, I don't think the result of this game is a difference between, let's just go down the Gordon Hayward road. I don't think Gordon Hayward's sitting there going, huh, if they win this series, I'm going there. But if they don't, I'm not. So I don't think it makes that big of a deal, but it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt when you sit there and you say, they, we did make the conference finals, and you could be the player that propels us to the NBA finals if you're a Gordon Hayward. Why not? I mean, it's a sure as hell a, a, a better selling point than not having gone to the conference finals, but I don't think it makes a big deal. Yeah, there's no there's no negatives that occur from winning, but I I agree with you. I think if Gordon Hayward makes All NBA, is a much bigger factor to, in deciding whether or not he stays in Utah. And even even said, I still think that he probably ends up in Utah just because it feels like he's kind of loyal to that program. The Utah Jazz are building a good thing there, and it feels like they can offer him the most money, and it's just what he's used to. So. There's no bad part of free agency for making the Eastern Conference Final, but I don't think it's like the thing that sets them over the edge of free agents. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. Uh, you know, oh, I'm going to save this one. I'm going to save this one for later because this is going to be fun. Uh, Robert Denton. So we didn't sweep, but this is a huge win. Cavs are just getting fat and lazy. Come at me. <laughs> 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 Robert Denton stays with a sass on his um, his post game tweets, and I like that. Yeah, I, I love it. Um, I don't think the Cavs are just getting fat and lazy. I well, hope. That- let me ask you what you think the the Celtics' actual chances are, and like how many games, if they can get a game, do you think they can get from the Cavaliers? I think the best case scenario, honestly, is two games. Probably one. So I, I think it's going to be Cavs in maybe five, probably five, maybe six. Uh, not to say they're just going to roll over, but I just think the Cavs are too, they're too much. And Tristan Thompson's going to feast uh, offensively. And they've got LeBron James, who's just all of a sudden you realize, oh, he's been kind of resting all regular season and now he's playoff LeBron and he's he's playing like an immortal basketball killer robot and so I just I don't see the Celtics being able to overcome that they may be competitive they may be able to put a little bit of a scare into Cleveland I, I just don't see I don't see it and so if they win a couple of games, I'll be happy. If, if somehow they force a game seven, that'd be amazing. Uh, and But, you know, things can change if somebody turns an ankle or gets sick or something. You never know. So, But at full strength, I, I don't think the Celtics would take more than two games. No, I have, I have to agree with you. I think the Celtics definitely have the potential to to force it to a game six, but at the end of the day, this, the Cavs' offense is just amazing, and he, their ability to surround um, LeBron James with four players who can knock down three-point shots, and it's not even talking about Kyrie Irving and his one-on-one ability off the dribble, um, Kevin Love, just his ability to be like, in the post and outside shooter, but if you're going to give it to LeBron James, so I'm... I, is the best basketball player I've ever seen live. I've taken for like, take it with you. Will I'm a, I'm a younger person and didn't see like the, the Jordan as much as, uh, 
as everyone else. So LeBron James is kind of the peak to me in his ability to pass and his ability to find the open man. Surrounded by shooters like Channing Fry and um, oh, why I can't forget the the white dude who's just traded from Atlanta. What's his name? Kyle Korver. Kyle Korver. There you go. <laughs> the shooters around LeBron James. I think um, in these past two series, the the Celtics has offense has been better than the two teams they're facing and if they can continue to score they were able to kind of stay in the game against Cleveland I just don't see their offense being better and the the Cavs offense is just lethal and we've seen them been able to kind of turn on the the effort on defense so you're right I I have no expectations of the Celtics winning the series but I, I agree with you they best case scenario they win two I would, wouldn't be surprised if um see them losing five i do think they have a, a a pretty good chance in game one i think the the kind of rust factor and the idea of this uh Cavs not playing a lot in the first co- or in a number of days will hurt them just because there's there's a certain rhythm that goes to playing basketball and i think celtics kind of have gotten in that rhythm of playing once every other day so i think the the celtics do have a chance in game one i think we saw the spurs do the same thing to the warriors um but in the long run, it's just LeBron James is the best basketball player in the world, and he has an extremely talented team around him. So yep. uh, it, it's good luck to the Celtics. But in the end, this is going to be the Warriors-Cavs, like everyone predicted at the start of the season. Yeah, and that's fine. That's fine. Uh, I'm in, in a season that you can say was all predetermined, I'm happy. I'm happy with the way the season turned out. So I, I'm very excited for what's going to come. People want to come at me on Twitter and say, oh, you're going to be fed to the Lions. Like, yeah, so? <laughs> that, that's a burn? Like, we all knew the Cavaliers were, were – it was always, always, all season long, the Cavs at the top and then the middle pack of Toronto, Boston, Washington that was right below the Cavs and then everybody else. Like, that was it. So for for people to say, oh, well, no, you're going to go get blown up by the Cavs, yeah, yeah, the Wizards were too. Sorry if people who are you know Wizards fans still listening. Not a knock on you guys. A lot of respect for the Wizards. Like th- those two teams were very evenly matched. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, as Rifecy says on Twitter, uh, my hate wor- my hatred for the Wizards has grown immensely. Must have been a good series. Like that's that's where we are. Like we got to a point where even sniping on Twitter with other with Wizards Twitter. That's that's how crazy it got, but I got a lot of respect for you guys. The Wizards were going to go get crushed by the by the Cavs. I mean, the, the Raptors were probably the most well-equipped team to go face the Cavs, and they got swept. And you can say, yeah, Lowry got hurt, but they were probably going to get swept anyway. That that series was a predetermined mess. There was just nothing anybody. There's nothing anybody can do about it. So that's fine. We'll enjoy it. I'll watch the basketball, and it'll last however long it lasts. And so be it. Whatever. Uh, let's see. One more here from Twitter. Uh, well, let me just say at Lampert Jacob, since he mentioned with all the Kelly hype, let's not forget Marcus' defense wearing out Beal and. Uh, and Gerald Brown, uh, Jalen Brown, stepping up tonight. So we talked a little bit about that stuff. Uh, Jalen is—he <laughs> made some really athletic plays. I mean, just amazing. Uh, Jovian Shadow, you can officially clear the Celt- uh, declare the Celtic season a success, regardless of the conference finals results. That is true. That's what we just talked about. All right, now let's get to that one tweet and. It was about the mystery machine. Playoff mystery machine. Here we go. We haven't done it in a while. We haven't done a mystery machine in a while. And I want to find the tweet that uh, said it because I had it and it was was gone. Oh, here we go. At Matthew Isles. What's up with the mystery machine? All right, so let's do a mystery machine before we get to the jams junk drawer. Uh, let's let's do it. The Wizards Celtics series mystery machine. Uh, I'll let you go first. First off, it's gonna have to be 
shocking. Uh, this person normally comes in number two, um, but I think I'm going to have to go with Al Horford. He yeah. really stepped up. There was the crazy stats about how his true shooting percentage over 70% for the series, uh, the second highest total in playoff history. He really was amazing for this entire series. His playmaking out of the post, his defense, his passing, he was fantastic. And uh, he definitely deserves the number one spot. I just think he was the overall. Uh, there's there's competitors, definitely, and we'll get to the the other two uh, players in the mystery machine, but I thought Al Horford was fantastic for um, all seven games. Yeah, he was he was really good, and like I said earlier, he shut a lot of people up. His passing it was amazing. Uh, tonight he had another five assists, 15 points, five assists, six rebounds, a little bit of everything, and I'm sure if you throw in the hockey assists, he was even more productive. So absolutely awesome. Uh, I will... I will go with the obvious next choice, Isaiah Thomas, not just for his takeover, not just for him losing a tooth, which feels like it was a month ago, but busting his face. I don't know if the fractured jaw thing, whatever he he lost three teeth. He had surgery. He had a 53 point game. He had all of this stuff, but to me, On top of it all, him becoming a screener in the last three games was as important as anything else that he's done. And I'm hoping that's not sounding too hyperbolic, but the fact that he willingly adjusted his game, knowing that he may not be the top scorer, he often wasn't, he... Open things up for the rest of his teammates. Even tonight, a couple of early plays where Jay Crowder, once on an out-of-bounds play, another one just in a regular a regular play in the half court, set screens for Jay Crowder's guy, uh, on Jay Crowder's guy. Crowder went back door, got easy shots, easy layups. That was because Isaiah Thomas was a willing screener. And that's not something the smallest guy on the floor is going to be doing a whole lot, but he did it over the last three games, and that changed the offense. It changed how Washington was going to be playing defense, and I think that was as important as him making a ton of shots because it changed how Washington, it changed their whole strategy. And it it threw them off enough where it got other guys involved, and even Jay Crowder, who didn't look like he was shooting well, he still managed a 7 of 12 night for 14 points in this game 7. Huge contribution and most of it was on layups most of it was backdoor stuff and a lot of it came off of action that involved Isaiah Thomas screening for him so that especially gets him uh, a a mention on the mystery machine okay no he totally deserves it and Isaiah will be the first person to tell you that he was getting uh, attention from two or three defenders for the majority of the (laughs) series but uh, he's absolutely right and we saw it tonight with him having 12 assists his ability to kind of realize what the defense was giving him and how many times tonight did he just find Olenek underneath the hoop with no one guarding him. They were really, they were putting three guys on him. Like he's absolutely right. And his ability to kind of recognize the defense and make plays and rely on his other players, I thought was huge for him. And you're right. The, the, the two thing feels like forever ago and the 53 point game in game two feels like um, ancient history, but he really an elite player, and it was it was a huge deal, not just for the the point scoring game. They after that, the Wizards put so much attention on him, and he made the right play for the Celtics to kind of um, move on. And it's not to be taken lightly, just the the idea of setting a screen, because we've seen um, this year with the Warriors, the Kevin Durant has really they they've never really been able to take advantage of the the Steph. Durant pick and roll because Kevin Durant hasn't been the greatest screen setter and that guy is seven feet tall so his uh, the ability of um, Isaiah Thomas to be physical and set those screens is actually it's just like a huge advantage for the um the Celtics offense and I know Zach Lowe criticized the Celtics blogosphere for getting all the uh, hyped up about the the one five pick and roll with Isaiah Thomas and Al Horford I thought it was just a 
a very interesting wrinkle that the Brad Stevens was able to throw in there, and it was it kind of spoke to the Celtics' versatility of uh, how are you really going to stop that when they're completely changing up their their entire agenda on there. So Isaiah Thomas definitely deserving of the second spot. He, he's held down the first spot of the Mister Machine all the year, but uh, this year this series definitely deserving of the second spot. Okay, you're up. Third spot. Obvious. Avery Bradley. My God. Yeah. This guy has evolved as one of the better two-way players in the NBA. His defense on John Wall and Avery Bradley, I mean, on Bradley Beal, has been outstanding. And then just his offensive performance, not as much in tonight's game. He only had nine points, um, was actually three to nine from the field. But in game five, and in many moments in game six, he carried this team. And his ability to not like consistently play the, the lockdown defense he's known for but then hit the open shots and make the backdoor cuts and hit the layups um, has been fantastic. And he's really, he's been one of the most important players on the court for the Celtics. Yeah, I, I'm all, I'm all for that. I said in the last podcast that he has emerged as one of the league's premier two-way players. I mean, the only people who are better than him are the best of the best, the Kawhi Leonard's of the world, uh, Jimmy Butler, but that's it. You have to you have to be one of those guys to be a better two way player than Avery Bradley. That's my opinion. So uh, I I agree with that. Okay, fourth spot. I feel like I'm going to be taking something away from you here, and I'm definitely going to use a jam packardism to say it. Tito Rozier. Tito. <laughs> He has been just amazing for the Celtics in these playoffs. He has just given the Celtics a ton of great minutes and not all the time, but enough of the time where in the wins he has produced in game. uh, Let's see in game one, he was a plus 13 in 15 minutes. In game two, a plus 25, and he scored 12 points and had six rebounds. That was the game where it just came flying in. He changed the game with his rebounding. Uh, in the game uh, five win, a plus nine. And then tonight, just he came in and gave a few good minutes. They didn't show up in the box score, but the steal that he had... Uh, that sequence where the Celtics scored and Rozier got that steal and got it to, uh, I forget who it was, Olenek maybe underneath? Uh, I forget. But it was Crowder. It was Crowder. It was Crowder. That there alone was such a key sequence in the game, and he only played four minutes, but those four minutes were, I think, crucial. And he played in a, a pretty good defensive lineup, and so I thought that Rozier did enough to earn a spot and earn some recognition as a spark plug for this series. You're not going to hear any complaints from me about playoff Tito. I mean, he's been, <laughs> he's been a, 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 a amazing basketball player after like all the rumors at the train deadline and all the people shitting on him on Twitter about, Oh, how you're never going to give up for uh, Terry Rozier. I mean, he wasn't a star by any means tonight. I don't think he only played four minutes, but you're right. That steal came up big, but he really turned in. This is the mystery machine for the entire series, and he played some huge minutes. Uh, he was great defensively against Wall and Beal, and he knocked down some huge threes and just was generally good at playmaking. So I think he's absolutely deserving of the uh, the fourth spot on the mystery machine. And I think the fifth, the fifth spot should be obvious, given the, uh, the performance tonight. It's got to be... Um, Kelly Olenek. I mean, you score 26 points in game seven and you dominate, the, I think, 14 points in the fourth quarter. There's no way you don't deserve uh, a spot on the mystery machine. And he looks like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. So yeah. I think it's just it, he's a natural fit in the mystery machine. He is the type of guy to get high in the back of the mystery machine and eat like a big tray of, of cheeseburgers. To like, eat a burrito in like six bites. Yeah. <laughs> I love that so much. Uh, okay, so I think that's a solid 
that's a solid group for the playoff for the Wizard Series Mystery Machine. So, with that, let's wrap up the show with Jam's Junk Drawer. All right, hit the music. Let's go. Let's go. Before the game, the Celtics were playing Right Now by Van Halen. And let me tell you, I was born in 1990. I never experienced the 80s. But that song's not cool. Van Halen is not cool. The Celtics have to really improve their um, in-game music operations because Right Now by Van Halen is not a Game 7 tune. I agree. And I kind of, in the past, have been like, eh, it's not a big deal. I think it's time to kind of update it. I think the welcome to the jungle, I think all that stuff, it's time to it's time to change it. I think it is. I agree with you. I would have to agree. They just need to get a modern jamming 94.5 DJ in there. Does someone play the hits? It's just maybe stuff <laughs> needs to go. All right. Uh, Avery Bradley was kind of he was in the pump up video to start the game and just like angry intense Avery Bradley will always be hilarious to me because he's the most sincere just like nicest guy ever and anytime he's kind of angry or aggressive just doesn't really feel that genuine to me and it just always makes me laugh and I can say that now that the the Celtics won but him talking shit to Marcin Gortat early in the uh, early in the series and telling him he was going to fuck him up just really made me laugh because that's not who Avery Bradley is. No, no, it's not. Um, all right, let's let's go through this quickly. There's a few moments in the first quarter. Um, Kelly Olenek was playing point guard or at least uh, carried the ball up. Point Kelly after four foul or five foul Kelly is one of my favorite Kellys. That was fantastic. Um, Jalen Brown, sometimes that guy just wants to attack way too much. And in the first quarter – he had a, an opportunity to pass it to a wide-open uh, player for a three-quarter. I think it was Jay Crowder. But he just wanted to am the ball. And he ended up drawing the foul. But he's just his ruthless attack of the rim is one of the best things about him because he always wants to dunk the basketball. And he always knows he has a slight opportunity to do so. So uh, shout-outs to Jalen Brown for the short shorts, the flat top, um, but just always wanting to dunk the basketball. Um, hey, hey. Go ahead. Go Keep ahead. going. Keep going. No, no, no. Keep going. All right, Brandon Jennings is a bum. He's a bum, I say. He's a terrible bum. He's bad at basketball. He's not good. I'm so glad um, that it was shown out tonight. Rumors have it that NBA insiders also believe that Brandon Jennings is a bum. So um, that's just fantastic to hear because uh, it feels like it makes me smarter. Yeah, um, I, I, I want to say one of my big criticisms of Phil Jackson was how he didn't even manage to get a second-round pick for Brandon Jennings. I I apologize to Phil for that. He is such trash. Jennings, not <laughs> Phil. Phil is too, but Phil is also trash. Yes, but not in this case. The, the the fact that he cut Jennings loose and this is what Brandon Jennings is, I am sorry Phil. You were right. I was wrong on this. Jennings is complete trash. And remember when he was like really good? He scored 50 points in a game, and everyone was like, oh, Brandon Jennings, he didn't go to college. It's amazing. He's different. Yeah. No, he sucks. <laughs> He's a tr- he is not a very good basketball player, and it's this, the Wizards gave up a lot for him to trade for him at the deadline, and he was not good. How much better is he really than Trey Burke? It's just not a great move by the Wizards. Um, let's move on. Uh, the second quarter felt like it took forever. It, there was like four minutes and then six minutes, and it just felt like – my God, this is the most frantic basketball. I'm nervous. I don't like it. I know. That was just my feelings. That's in my notes. There's also a Bogdan. Bojan Bogdanovich. He hit a three-pointer in the game that was, like, huge at the moment. In retrospect, fuck Bogdan. But, like, at the moment, it was huge. And I really, I don't know why. It's probably because he's European. And I'm a little bit xenophobic. But, like, I really didn't like Bogdan doing that. <laughs> And it's like, I, like I, for some reason, I really didn't like him. He reminds me of um, the the woman in Zoolander, Inka Tinka Bogovanovna. And for some reason, um, I just really don't like him. And him succeeding really uh, is a problem with me. Um, Markeith Morris flopped with Kelly Olynyk in the post. Like that just is never something that I would ever think would uh, would happen. Just like Markeith Morris, one of the toughest SOBs out there. Trying to pretend like um, Kelly Olynyk knocked him over, and he did a complete flop, and Kelly got the basket. It was fantastic. 
I love uh, it. I think that's the best thing to do against flops as an official. Don't call it. Don't call the flop, and then the other guy just scores, and there's no incentive to flop anymore. You can't just keep giving up uncontested layups. Okay, continue. Speaking of flops, Bradley Beal, what, what is going on with this guy? Um, he had a one really atrocious flop. Uh, hey, I guess he got caught on a screen by uh, Avery Bradley, but he really – it was worse than Marcus Smart. Like, I feel like Marcus Smart has made a very concentrated effort not to uh, kind of be the flop artist that he's known to be, in it, uh, especially in the second half of the season. That Marcus Smart kind of going for those questionable calls has gone severely downhill. And I, I posited that Bradley Beal is a worse flop artist than Marcus Smart. And tonight, he, it feels like he's been doing it all series. But tonight, he um, was especially bad. And it, like, harkens back to the shooting stars meme of him. Um, it's just, what's going on with Bradley Beal? He was amazing tonight. Let me, like, let me say it uh, on the other end of the spectrum. He was unstoppable. He was an amazing, amazing basketball player. But his flopping needs to be under control because that's just – it's beneath him. He's, he should be known as the, the elite scorer that he is, not as kind of the, the flopper that we saw tonight. I agree. I agree. The, the two horribly egregious flops in this series. I, uh, in, it was kind of bad because the whistles – if the Celtics didn't win this game, I was – I hate blaming the referees. But tonight I was really ready to kind of like really harp on the – the Wizards getting the advantage of the call. And you know how bad it was? Hardwood paroxysm. I don't know if I said that right, but Matt Moore tweeted out, Celtics have gotten a rough whistle in this game. Matt Moore. <laughs> Notorious. Uh, I don't even want to say Celtics hater. I feel like he just hates on all teams. He's like an equal hater across the board. But Celtics Twitter has like really loathes Matt Moore. So if he comes out and says that the Celtics are getting disadvantaged on the whistle tonight, you know it was bad. So... I just thought I had to bring that to attention because Matt Moore was in in the support of Celtics Twitter tonight, and that's how you know how bad the referees were tonight. Yeah, I agree. Some horrible calls. I tweeted one out where Mahimi just trucked Isaiah Thomas, and there was no call. It was bad. It was a, That one was especially bad. Um, let's move on. Oh, the Celtics had a lot of backdoor cuts tonight, and I was really resisted on multiple occasions just to make jokes about the backdoor um, I felt like it was easy stuff, but I just I didn't go for tonight, and I feel like I deserve some credit for that. Um, moving on, moving on. There was a point in the third quarter where Isaiah was getting burned by just repeatedly. Otto Porter in the post, Bradley Beal uh, coming off screens, and I tweeted out that maybe the Celtics would do better without Isaiah on the court. Uh, in the long run, I felt wrong, um, and now it feels dirty to have tweeted that, but uh, it was something I felt, and I have to own up to that. Um, there was a moment where just uh, the Celtics were much better with Isaiah off the court, especially in the third quarter. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna be honest with the, uh, the listeners out there. There's some points where he gets burned defensively, and it just doesn't look good for the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Yep. Keep going. Yeah, all right. Fair. Fair. All right. Um, Jalen Brown had some great moments in the third quarter. There was one really just good switch on defense. It didn't end up being like a huge thing, but Jay Crowder fell down, and Jalen Brown really flashed to the guy in the post. Uh, and then the huge Jalen Brown moment was that like layoff that he or not layoff rebound he basically had off his butt where he was falling down and was like still managed to jump while falling down uh, to get a rebound. I thought he did some some great things tonight. Just in addition to him hitting the shots that he did, I thought he was a he was just an amazing presence on the defensive end, and it really goes to show how much Brad trusted him. I agree. All right, keep, all right. Keep it going. Keep it going. Keep, keep it going. I paused and waiting for the reaction, but no, I'll keep going. No, I'm I'm letting you. I'm letting the junk drawer happen. All right, Jan Mahimi, also a bum. <laughs> he, <laughs> he was trashed the entire night. Him and Jennings, I, it really came down to what we thought it would uh, would happen in the in this series. Is the Wizards bench was trash, led by Brandon Jennings, um, certified bum, and then Jan Mahimi, also a bum. So that was fantastic. Bill Belichick. Why was he not in his uh, courtside seat tonight? Up in the up in the box, I didn't like it. I felt like the crowd gets more pumped up with a Bill Belichick front row. Don't know why he wasn't in his main seat tonight, but uh, it's okay because you know who had his back? It was Fist Pump Guy. We all know Fist Pump Guy. Some people call him um, uh, Jacket Su- Santa. Sukoat Santa. Sukoat Santa. But uh, the Celtics really, the in-game ops did a 
beautiful job tonight because they really featured Fist Pump Guy at the same time they were playing DMX's Up In Here. And if I've never heard of a better combination than Suit Coat Santa Fist Pump Guy with DMX. They feel like they're uh, just naturally, they go together and they work tonight because the Celtics crowd was very present, very loud. So shouts to Suit Coat Santa. Shouts to DMX. I don't know what he's doing right now. I'm assuming he's incarcerated, but I don't know. But I, it's just shouts to DMX. He's a great guy. Uh, during Kelly Olynyk's um, domination in the fourth quarter, there's a real quick cut to Kelly Oubre in the fourth quarter. Um, he had kind of the natural sad Kelly Oubre face going on. I that was a, a very very amusing to me. Um, and let's see. Uh, the only other note I have is um, uh, Bradley Beal, just a very good basketball player. I'm, I hate to come back to that, but he scored what was it, 38 points. Uh, he was dominant down the stretch and the, really the only thing that kept the Wizards in the game. And then finally, after the game, in the postgame, Kelly Olenek got love, kind of got, got the dap up and the hug from both Markeith Morris and John Wall. And it's kind of the, 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 the story arc of Kelly Olenek from going from everyone calling him out for being a dirty player after game three. Uh, Trayvon Green saying he's a dirty player, everyone bringing up the whole Kevin Love thing. And then for him to get kind of get the universal respect of uh, Markeith Morris, who seems like a tough dude, and John Wall, who just seems like a very serious guy after the game, uh, was the perfect story arc for Kelly Olenek. So that was a, a beautiful way to wrap up Game 7. Loved it. Loved it. Perfect way to wrap up the show with the Jams Drunk Drawer, too. Uh, next step, Tuesday, the uh, well, later on tonight, if you're listening on Tuesday, the... NBA draft lottery happens. So we figure out exactly where the Celtics pick. And then the next day is game one of the conference finals. And the, I, I want to say one thing. Those games start at 830 now, which I mean, we, we get this every year where the, the, the conference final games start later. 830 is fine. The games aren't going to be over till over till past 11 o'clock which is fine. They want to get the West Coast things in. But, like, it's an Eastern Conference game. Why can't we start these at 7.30? I just want to finish these things and finish recording the show at a reasonable time. But 8.30 Wednesday is game one of the Conference Finals. So the schedule, which I am retweeting from the Boston Celtics right now, it's Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, Tuesday. All games at 8.30 p.m. Those are the first four games. Two games in Boston, two games in Cleveland, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday, Tuesday, and then Thursday, Saturday, Monday, if it goes on beyond four games. So keep that in mind. We'll be here after each of those games, I think, and we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I, like I said, it's all house money from here. So uh, thanks for listening. If you are not a subscriber, please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, if you are uh, a subscriber, please rate us five stars. Give us a, a little bit of a review, a nice review. Tell people why you think the show is great and let us let them know so they can listen. The numbers have been great. I want to thank everybody for listening. The numbers have, it, you know, everything gets a little bit, all the traffic, all of the numbers, everybody's everybody's numbers go up in the playoffs. But I, I, I do want to thank everybody. Even I want to thank those of you Wizards fans who may be listening. You got a hell of a team there. John Wall is an amazing player. He's just it's he's really goddamn good. Bradley Beal is only twenty three years old. I know he had a couple of rough games. I thought he was going to win this game tonight for a second, and I, I think the Wizards if they do things the right way are going to hang around for a long time. They're a really good team. So thanks to you guys for listening. I guess we should now start welcoming Cavs fans to the show. So whatever, that's it. Thank you for that. Uh, reminder, if you are a local advertiser, hit us up on the email locked on Celtics at gmail.com. We've got very reasonable rates. We got, Look, we, the numbers, like I said, our statistics have been great. We've got a 98% male audience. It's all great demographics. It's all the demographics in the you know the 20s, 30s, 40-year-old guys who are dying to spend money. And the statistics show that 
when you advertise on a podcast, they will uh, more, they are more likely to buy. So hit us up, LockedOnCeltics at gmail.com. Get in on the train while we're rolling. This is when people are listening, so now's the time to advertise with us. Okay, Celtics win. They win in Game 7. They dispatch the Wizards. It's on to the Cavs. It's on to the draft lottery. We'll be here for all of it here on the Locked On Celtics podcast. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Yeah, J. King and Doc